Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. AKA Feathers, and we're coming to you with a special edition, Fuel for the Soul, because these two women rocked the Boston Marathon, and we've gotten a lot of messages of people wanting to know exactly what happened this past weekend. So we're going to do it. So we'll start off with, I don't know which one of you wants to jump in and just start talking about the weekend. Oh, well, neither of us jumped in on that one. I know. Wait, people are moving a little bit slow. I was about to be like, slow. Megan, go. <laughs> All right, so let's let's start off with sort of before the race. Um, we both flew in Friday, right? Friday evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Megan brought the whole fam. It was just Thomas and I, and uh, we went straight to a, a New Balance event yeah. at the track. Which was spectacular. Um, yeah, they broke a world record there. It was super cool. And um, then the next day, I feel like we had a million things going on. Now, do you remember what happened? Oh, you ran a 5K. Yeah, I did a 5K. And then <laughs> we went and visited a lot of the brand houses that were out and about, checked in with ASICs, and um, got ready pretty much for, uh, you know. Our bagel shakeout run. Our bagel shakeout run, yeah. Megan, how did you spend Saturday? Oh my gosh, I don't think I sat down Saturday. Right. I, I went for a shakeout run and ran into you guys when, you know, Thomas was getting ready for the 5K because I really didn't understand where my hotel was. And I was like, I need to go run around to figure out like where the heck I am. And yeah. sure enough, we were right on Boylston Street in a great location by the expo. So I was like, oh, all right, I got my bearings. I see the finish line. Everything's good here. But then, yeah, I don't feel like I sat down the entire day. Like we were just going, going, going. Um, that was the, the other expo, thing we did. Yeah, we did the expo. The, oh, yeah. Crazy lines. A lot of the times fast moving lines, but we were walking and in lines for quite a bit of the weekend. And the one thing they did a really nice job was they like wound people around. So you mm-hmm. were at least moving the whole time you were in line. I'm like, there's some sort of psychologist involved yeah, they in learned that, that people from, aren't going to get angry if they're for still moving. They, sure. they learned that from Universal. Like uh-huh. when I took the boys down there, they, they have you moving through these lines so that you don't feel like you're just completely standing there. But, I, you know, what do you think of the expo? Um, I mean, we didn't spend a whole bunch of time there. It was pretty much like we did the winding around in the lines, grabbed our bibs, checked out a few of the brands, um, but we didn't spend much time in there. Did you, Megan? Well, I wanted a jacket because I hadn't bought one because I don't never wear them. So I was like, I'm not going to buy one this year. But then you get there and you're like, I need a jacket. (laughs) So I got a jacket and the kids wanted those little like spike unicorns, um, so again, that line was unbelievably long and they have you twist so you don't realize how long the line is before you decide to purchase something. And then you like go around these these turns and you were like, whoa, that line goes all the way down there. But yeah, it, um, so we did spend a lot of time there mainly because we were in line the whole time. So what did you think was a better experience, visiting the brands on Boylston Street or going to the expo? Oh, visiting the brands on Newberry yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was just fun. They had they each had like basically rented out um, just a like historic house on Newberry Street and made it all branded out, and it was just cool to see all the different shops. Yeah, it was fun. It was in fun walking around. I thought it was for me personally, it was a better experience than yeah going to uh, you know the expo and like kind of that you know what what do you even call those like convention centers that are like a just big box They're with so the crowded. neon lights? Yeah, and it was it was just like get me out of here. And then Saturday afternoon, Megan, we had your, uh, the group, Boston Nutrition Group, 
uh, meetup, which was super fun. Yes, that was fun. So for the last 12 weeks, we had 19 females as part of the first ever Featherstone group nutrition. So, you know, we like the group think over here. So it was very supportive and it was awesome to see like all these ladies come together. It's open to men too. We just didn't have any takers, but it would be a very good odds, guys, if you want to be a part of this in the future. Um, so we all got together and ate some Pop-Tarts, ate some bagels, chatted, got some new gear, um, and really kind of answered all the last-minute questions about carb loading and race day and nutrition and what we were going to do. It just made sure everybody was confident. But it was really fun to bring these people from literally all over the United States and someone out of the country um, together to, you know, meet. And, you know, we've been learning together about everything performance nutrition for 12 weeks. So, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool to get everybody together. It was really fun. And it's funny how similar so many of our experiences were just related to nutrition and through training and, you know, like the struggles of carb loading and the struggles of trying to practice nutrition. And I mean, we all go through the same stuff. So it's just, it was nice to sort of all come together and, and be able to talk about it. Right. And I think you had said one time, people were asking questions you like didn't think to ask. I mean, you've worked with me for how long? We've had how many podcasts, yeah. you know? And you're like, wait, I never thought of that. Like, right. that was a really good question, you know? So I think sometimes you end up learning more in a group setting than, than you do one-on-one. Oh, absolutely. So you wind that up. Yeah. We've obviously got the next day. You guys didn't stay out too late. Well, first of all, on Saturday, I didn't think to make a reservation anywhere. And so as we're like closing out our group, uh, our meeting there, I was like <sighs> panicking. We have to find somewhere to eat dinner, um, hopefully an Italian place. And I'm like, every Italian restaurant is going to be booked up. So we... We just walked towards the hotel and everywhere we went to, we'd walk in and say, how long is the wait? And they were like, oh, you can sit now in like this insane area or 9 p.m. And so we got to this restaurant and there was one table outside and it was very cold and windy on Saturday evening, but they had heaters outside and half of it was tented out. So we were like, this should be fine. And um, the wind. We, we sat down and I tucked myself in under the heater and Thomas had to sit on the outside and was just it was like frozen. Twenty mile per hour wind gusts coming <laughs> into the tent. But again, my running is like my effort running, which didn't turn into effort running because of the way the race was set up. But my running was done for the weekend, so I can take a little wind. And he was drinking a martini, so I was like, "I get the warm spot. You can have the martini." Heck and yeah. um, I got my pasta dish, which is really all I wanted. Yeah. And uh, I love so we, that so much. Yeah, it, and we wrapped up dinner, and it, it was pretty good. But it was definitely a place that you go when you just want, like, please, sir, anybody, <laughs> let us let us have some food. They actually um, brought out blankets for us to put over ourselves at the restaurant because it was cold. Stop it. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. sweet. Go to bed somewhat early. Yep. We. Uh, and then Sunday oh, wait, morning I, was our yeah. bagel shakeout run, which was so fun Insane. and so cool to see everyone that came out. It was unbelievable, like borderline overstimulating, mm-hmm. overwhelmingly amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was so nice. I mean, we had Lindsay Flanagan. We had Emma Bates. Yeah. We had a whole crew of listeners and friends from, you know, both the running community and from uh, just like when I say running community, our Baltimore running community, they came out. Like we had a bunch of faster bastards that were running the um, Boston Marathon, as well as just people who uh, came out for listening. And I think there were some people that were fans of 
like independently fans of Featherston, independently fans of Believe in the Run, and then of course the people who know, you know, the combined efforts. Yeah. The super fans. Yeah. I didn't so we had bagels from Bagelsaurus and Goldilocks. I didn't actually get ever have a bagel. Any of them, which I was really bummed about. Oh. Um but Megan, you did, right? How were they good? I did right at the end because, you know, one of my clients was the ones who helped us figure out what bagels we needed and she showed up at the end uh. and she was like wait Megan which was your favorite and I'm like oh crap I gotta go try them so like she came in with me and she recognized that the bagels upstairs were bagelsaurus and the ones downstairs were goldilocks I was like dying um but yeah so I did I tried both of them both of them with her I thought the ones upstairs upstairs from bagelsaurus were better um all right yes I did but they were like gone when I walked downstairs there was two bagels left. I think what they say they got two hundred and eighty-seven bagels, like, and they were gone. <laughs> I thought it was three hundred, but I don't know. Like, it, maybe it was two eighty-seven okay, after the A six guys all took their bagel. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, but yeah, and there was coffee. It was great. Uh, rolled through. Such a good time. But I think people are probably most interested in like race day yeah like i don't think anybody gives a crap what we did the day a couple days before well so as busy as friday and saturday were after our bagel run i was like i'm this is it i need to go rest and i pretty much spent the rest of the day in the hotel like did not did not go do anything same i was actually supposed to go to like a nighttime dinner plan on saturday night and honestly saturday was so exhausting i canceled those plans because i was like i've totally overcommitted my time and energy here and i still have to race on monday so yeah same thing on sunday i yeah i think it was like noon till bedtime i think i was in our hotel room because i was like oh you're exhausted already and you haven't even run so yeah yeah and so all through ch- all through training, and you know this, Megan. Um, on Friday nights, I would make homemade uh, veggie pizza, and so that's like what I've done every night for every long run, and even before the couple races I did before Boston. So I had Thomas go get me um, a veggie pizza from Dirty Water, so I didn't even leave the hotel room. Like he brought it to me and uh, had a couple slices of that before uh, the race. So that was my dinner. What was your pre-race dinner? Bagels. I know okay. you're not shocked. <laughs> we had tons of bagels left over from our group nutrition thing. Um, and like I literally, I think we still had like 13 bagels left. So I was like, that's it. You know I brought a toaster. So yeah. I had my toaster, my bagels. There was some butter in the fridge. So yeah, I mean, staying true to brand, we definitely had bagels the night before Boston. Two for dinner. And then like two or three more earlier in the day. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Yeah. So everyone knows the Boston Marathon is a later start. So typical pre-run, pre-race breakfast is a little different than usual. And I was like wide awake at 5 a.m. on Monday morning, of course, because it's race morning. And it's also normal, like our normal time to get up. So yeah, my like I'm just up and awake and... We bought a bunch of little mini bagels from the grocery store. And so I didn't have a toaster, though, which was really upsetting. So I just like chewed on this plain dough bagel. (laughs) Delicious. Yeah, Yeah. real, (laughs) real delightful. Um, And (laughs) I I forgot to mention, too, I drank a a big glass of hyperhydration the night before with my pizza. And so, yeah, that's what I did first thing in the morning. And then I had a couple graham crackers and then we packed a little bag for our journey to the start line, which I had a whole sleeve of graham crackers in 
and was munching on she did on the ride i can vouch for this yeah yeah because yeah. like we said it's a later start so by the time we're running it's like lunchtime mm-hmm. you know so we had to kind of take a stepwise approach eat at the hotel eat on the bus have a gel at the start line so we're eating like three times before the race actually started but i stuck to graham crackers i actually didn't eat a bagel in the morning of that's like I started that at wine glass in the fall. It's like you always eat graham crackers before your runs. Why are you uh-huh. switching it up? So I just ate like six. <laughs> I love it. Thomas, you walked us to the start. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I kind of <laughs> honestly, I just wanted to know what the experience experience is like. is like going in like, OK, because it does seem like a lot of like logistics, logistics. Yeah. So it's nerve wracking. And so I was like, boy, this is fun. I can go check this out and kind of like I won't have to it when I go to Boston I won't have to um like be guessing at what it's yeah. like I can go You'll see what it's like coming. now and mm-hmm. at least have that little bit of calm on race day so I walked you guys over which was a lot of fun we got a lot of shout outs and uh ran into people and it's like always weird when there's 30,000 people around uh-huh. and you bump into pe- like two I, I bumped into two people I know yeah. in the group and uh that was kind of interesting what did you think of the the walk and the logistics getting to the bus i was super anxious pretty much the whole time um just because there's like a certain unknown factor until you're on the start line like there's just a lot to go through and so when we were waiting in line it was actually nice to have you there. Thomas was doing a live feed on our Instagram and um, entertaining not only us, but I think everyone around us as well. Um, and so it was. Oh, yeah. It was nice to have that sort of distraction as we were waiting there because there were certain points where we were just waiting in line and it didn't seem like it was moving or going anywhere. And like at one point, people just started walking past us and we were like, are we waiting in the right place? Um, and so there was a lot of factors that had me feeling quite nervous. Um, and, it, and at one point we had been waiting for over an hour and I was wondering if, if like we were going to make it on time. <laughs> no, this was absolutely the truth. I mean, we were looking at our watches like if we don't get on a bus, we're going to have 10 minutes at, like to try to find a portage on yeah. <laughs> once we get to Athletes Village. I remember when I ran this in 2013, I brought like a yoga mat because I was in Athletes Village for so long. I think I was there for like two and a half hours. <laughs> Meg and I literally were there for like 20 minutes, maybe, maybe. Uh-huh. Like that's how close these buses were, which I can't remember if you were with me. Somebody was saying the first round of buses got lost. Yes. Something happened and yep. that's why they didn't get back on time. So wild. It, it's a regular School bus at hard yes. right angle seat. Yeah. Not comfortable. How long is the ride? It's an hour. It was an hour ride. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So you're riding an hour in this bus. And I thought that it was probably good that you guys had each other to kind of like like you weren't solo on the bus just staring, like trying to make friends on the way up. Did that help? No, I was I was thinking that the entire time and even like looking back, I'm like, thank goodness I had Megan with me because it was just like comforting to have a friend and know that like you're doing this together and you're not like totally alone. And if we were doing the wrong thing, yeah. at least we we're doing the wrong thing together. <laughs> and we'd laugh about it and tell you guys about it afterwards. But yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And I think Meg and I are the same. Like we might feel nervous inside, but like I had no idea Meg was nervous the whole time waiting. Like just calm, cool, collected on the outside. But like maybe there's some nerves on the inside. Like I think we're both very similar about that. So it's good to be around somebody who's kind of got that same like race morning vibe as you do, you know? So I think we were a solid pair, but um, yeah, I don't, 
waiting for that bus. We were like, oh, God, are we going to make it? <laughs> yeah. Getting off the bus, you're obviously relieved. You're mm-hmm. here now at the start. But then a different kind of anxiety has got to be setting in. Are you taking some nutrition? Are you getting to a spot? Like, what do you have to do and how much time do you have? Well, so we thought we were going to have like an hour once we got to Athletes Village. But like Megan just said, we basically had like 20 minutes. And our number one goal was let's find a bathroom because we both had to pee really bad. And because we just sat in a bus for an hour and we're hydrating. And um, of course, the lines to every bathroom are crazy long. And we only have 20 minutes and you can... 30 people deep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you're not going to make it. And so... We would go wait in one line and then people would be like, hey, there's no line over here. So then we'd go from this line to another line. But then apparently everyone else got the memo that there was no line over here. So then there was a line. So anyway, we ended up not actually finding a bathroom in Athletes Village. And we were like, because Megan and I have both done this before. We knew or we believed we knew that there were porta potties on the way to the start. So once you leave Athletes Village, you have actually have a mile to go to the start and you walk there. And we figured we could hit up one of the porta potties down there, which, thank goodness, we did. <laughs> well, so as we're lining up, so they were actually, this was the first time I realized this. So it was wave one, but then they had the corrals. Uh-huh. And I, Meg was in corral four, I was in corral five. And the way they had it grouped, it was like one and two, three and four. And I'm like, oh no, I can't leave you yet. So I like <laughs> went in with her to corral four. But I don't know about you, Meg, but I'm looking around and I'm like, all right, I have just promised Meg that. There will be a bathroom. I'm like, you better be right, Megan. And then I'm looking around, and everyone around us already has their racing shoes on. Mm-hmm. They've thrown out their bags. Megan and I are standing here in our full, like, warm-up clothes with our, like, junky shoes on, carrying our racers. And I'm looking around like, holy crap. Like, did we totally miss the memo? Like, is this going to work? And we're just, like, the two odd women out here. <laughs> did your shoes make it back? Uh, What shoes? The shoes that you wore instead of your alpha fly. Oh, no, no, no. We, but you know that those are going in the Goodwill pile okay. or wherever they take them. All right. Yeah. There's actually like a little. Because um, I know that the bag was too small to carry anything. Yeah. So I had to hold the alpha flies in a separate in like just my hand or whatever. And then the other bag. But so the mile long walk. Thank goodness. I think Megan could sense my nerves at this point as we're walking down. She was getting nervous. I could tell. Because I was like, Megan told me there's porta potties up here and there's none to be in sight. And so we're like walking and walking, walking. And finally, Megan asked the volunteer. She was like, are there bathrooms up there? And the woman was like, yes, tons of them. And so at that point, it was like relief. Okay. So we made it there. That at this point, we um, discarded our warm-up gear. We laced up our race day shoes. And, um, and the weather was pretty good. So it wasn't like you, like once you discarded your warmer clothes, it wasn't like you were dis- in like freezing. No, because it, right. it was sunny. So I feel like, and it was like a warm sun. And so once we yes. discarded our clothes, we pretty much went into our corrals. And at that point, you're like huddled in with a bunch of people. So the combination of being like surrounded by a bunch of people in the sunshine was not bad at all. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I was shivering a little bit, but um, I think I was just nervous. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I was actually cold. Like, I think I was, I don't know. So at this point, you guys are separated. Yeah, it was, I feel like I wanted to like get a hug or have like more of a goodbye, but we were like walking like so quickly and we were just trying to get where we were going. It was just like sort of a bye. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I'm like, run hard. Yeah, <laughs> we we went our separate ways. And at that point, um, I took my first gel of the day, my first Martin of many to come. <laughs> All right. So we get the gel down. You've had your gel, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Five minutes before we took it, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're standing there. You're in your corral. Are you looking around to see, like, who could I possibly, you know, pair up with to pace? Or are you just kind of like, it's going to take off and I'm just going to go? So at this point, um, I had actually met a guy at Cherry Blossom 10 miler a couple of weeks prior who ran almost the exact same time as me at the Cherry Blossom, who also had the same marathon PR and was going for a sub 250. So miraculously we found each other right before the start and so we lined up together in the corral and planned to run together that day awesome what about you megan so i got into the crowd i think i still had my sweatshirt on because like i said i felt like i was like shivering too much so i was more preoccupied with like when should i take this off like totally within myself like not taking in what was going on around me at all so this guy starts talking next to me and usually i'm like very friendly and i want to talk to people but for whatever reason i'm like I don't want anyone to talk to me right now. So he starts talking to me. Somebody else comes up behind me and, you know, former client of mine, which is like, what's, what are the likes of this? She's telling me like how amazing it was to work together, like telling me all these wonderful things. And I'm like, okay, Megan, like chill, like take in this experience. Don't just try to be by yourself. So then somebody else comes up and they're like, what are you trying to run today? And then there's this huge discussion about everybody in pace. And I could tell people were trying to like pair up Mm -hmm. and just my gut was just like, Megan, just go run by yourself. Like, don't just like forget these people around you just like go do your own thing so that's kind of where my mind was at in the start corral was like i actually wanted to be by myself like there were so many people and so many people talking and like at that moment which i'm not always like this but in that moment that's why i felt like i needed i felt like i needed to just be within myself and like not hang out with anybody around me but yeah and so the national anthem was sung, and we had planes fly over, which was super cool. And so then, how many times did they do the national anthem that day? I wondered that, too. Yeah, I don't know. Did they do it four times? I don't know. There, there's different corrals. There's different mm-hmm. starting times. There's also the Paralympics. There's the, yeah, the women's the start. Wheelchair start. Um, so, yeah, you're going to have, I'm going to guess, like, several. Yeah. Like, that thing's on a loop. I mean, everybody has to have the same experience at the start, right? Regardless of when you start. So it was weird because I don't, maybe they fired a gun or something, but I don't really remember hearing like an official like start, but all of a sudden everyone just started moving forward. And it was like, it started out as like, okay, we're just walking. And then it was like more shuffling. And then it was like a jog. And then all of a sudden the start line was like right in front of us. Cause you're like going downhill and there's so many people you can't really see in front of you until you're like right there. And then I was like, okay, go. And I hit my watch. And then I was like, oh, we're not, this is, this is as fast as we're going. <laughs> Cause you can't get around anyone because it was just packed with people. I mean, it's wild. If you think about like some of the other major marathons, they're on what, like a four or five, six lane street. Uh-huh. This is a two lane street in this tiny town. And literally, like Meg said, it's a downhill start. So you look down, you can probably see, I don't know, three quarters of a mile, a mile. Mm-hmm. And all you see is head to head people. And you, like Meg said, like, the first mile was one of my slowest and I'm mm-hmm. looking around like, oh shit. <laughs> like, like, and then it, you know, calm down, don't be bobbing and weaving, all that kind of stuff people tell you not to do, but it, it is, it's kind of nerve wracking. Is that something that's typical for the Boston Marathon though? Is, is that a known thing that your first mile is going to be a little bit off just because you're in a large crowd or was, was this something different? That's a good question. I don't remember, I mean, I don't remember a lot about Boston last time I ran it, but I don't remember feeling like I couldn't Do go as fast as I wanted to. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I don't remember it being, again, I haven't been there since 2013, so it's been a hot moment, but. I was looking to see because I thought mile one was the slowest of the day for me, but uh, five seconds, Heartbreak Hill takes the cake for slowest mile of the day. Oh, now that you say that, let me pull it up. I do think I had a real slow one in there somewhere. Yep, mile 21. Ooh, that one That's got me. That's heartbreak. That is heartbreak. <laughs> so yeah, so it was so packed. And I I told myself, you know, it's going to break up. Like, it can't possibly be this Over 26 thick. miles, you're not going to be stuck in it. Yeah. So I was like, just relax. It's probably a blessing in disguise that I'm going out slow. Um, but then we got to mile two, and it was like had un- nothing had changed. There was just as many packed people and I was like I part of me was just like okay this is the day like I'm just this won't be a PR day this is just what it is because this is out of my control and it was like as I was thinking that I feel like the guy who I was running with his name's Chapin I feel like he read my mind and just started weaving and so for the next like four to five miles that's just what we did we just weaved through crowds of people and because it was a downhill I feel like it didn't feel as bad as if you were maybe weaving like going up hills or or on flats um Mm -hmm. and so yeah that's basically the first seven miles for us was weaving but did you hit your pace like when were you able to be like okay we're in the pace I think I mean by mile two yeah we hit a 620 at mile two and so I was trying to hit as close to 620 as possible knowing that the actual time would be slower like because I'm not going to run the tangents perfectly and so I was trying to use my watch as like a maybe run a little bit faster than I wanted to on the day and yeah so we 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 were hitting we were hitting most of the paces but it was never like that easy comfortable and I knew it wasn't going to be because this is a hilly course but like it was never like okay I'm locked in this is my gear now just cruise like that never that never happened for me. Okay, that's good to hear because I never felt like that either. Like I felt like in training, I would get into marathon pace mm-hmm. and just move. And I mean, we don't have hills like Boston, but we have we have rollers. It's not like it was totally flat. And I felt like I could always just get into it within a couple miles and just stay. And I never once felt like I got into it. I, like every mile felt hard. Oh, like it just, that makes for yeah. such a long day. <laughs> but you, Meg, you, clearly, even if it didn't click off, I mean... You held your paces. Like the first thing I heard when I crossed the finish line was Meg held her paces every 5K. <laughs> I, I will say it felt very comfortable. Like the paces that we were running felt easier than they should have. And I attribute that partially to a lot of the downhill in the beginning. And I think I was so mentally mm-hmm. focused on just get to the hills and get over heartbreak. And then it's a downhill. And I just kept putting that in my mind. And so it was just like sort of chunking up the race into like little sections. It was like get to the hills and then get to heartbreak and then, you know, get past those points. Um, the guy I was running with, Chapin, at mile seven, I, his meniscus, actually, it turns out, I talked to him afterwards, he tore his a calf and Achilles. He's in a boot now. <gasps> But he, we were running together, we were chatting, everything was great, and he just grabbed his 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 leg. He thought it was his torn meniscus and just stepped off the course. So my pacer was gone. But within, I want to say, 10 seconds, another man pops right up next to me and is like, what happened? Like, what is that guy okay? And I'm like, I don't know. He said something about his meniscus. And then we start talking. 
This guy is a big fan of Believe in the Run. He's going for a 245 this day, but he was taking it easy until heartbreak. So we agreed that we would. I like taking it easy at a we would, 620 uh, pace. Yeah. We I would run together for as long as possible, at least until heartbreak and get through some of the hills together. And so I was like, I don't know what like pacer magic luck that I have that like I lost one and gained another one within five seconds. But I was like, this this is pretty amazing. You're like, this is my day. <laughs> for real. I just felt like so lucky. And then I'm trying to think of I think the next thing I really remember was coming up to the the Wellesley Scream Tunnel. Because you could hear it before you got there. Unbelievable. One guy said it best, like, after we got through it, he looks over at me and he goes, well, I only got one ear drum left. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're so right. It is so loud through there. Like, it's just unbelievable. Uh-huh. And it goes on and on and on. Like, it's Yeah, phenomenal. but emotionally, like, like, when you guys are going through that, like, you've been in other marathons where maybe there's not as much crowd support. And it sounded like this year, the crowd support was back. Oh, it was the it was right amazing. weather for it. In trying to hold your pace and trying to do what you're trying to do, how much does it help having like just lined almost the entire course with people? I mean, I think it helps a ton. There were actually points, though, where I would have to remind myself because I think I I get so in my own head and I'm so focused on on what I'm doing that it's almost like I don't even realize this amazing mass of people that are cheering on on the sides. And so I would, I would every little once in a while remind myself to, Hey, take in this crowd support. Cause it's incredible the whole time. Yeah. I had the exact same experience. Like I was so within my own head trying to stay focused and stay in the game and not yeah. quit <laughs> that I did. There was multiple times that I was just like, Megan, you're at the freaking Boston marathon. Take a look around. Like, and I don't think I truly like really took it in until like the last mile of, of yeah. the race. But, um, yeah, it's hard to balance that. And the other thing, like, <laughs> you're going to die, Thomas. I probably got 50-50 Megan and Feathers <laughs> out there on the course. So then I would hear things, and I'm like, did they just say Feathers? Or are they? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, is someone calling me? Because there was a lot. I had a lot of people, like past, former, current clients that were like, I'm going to be out there. And I couldn't remember where everybody had told me they were going to be. So I was trying to listen, you know, for my name if I heard it. But um, yeah, I can't tell you the number of times it was actually Feathers instead of Megan. It was great. <laughs> and everybody wants to know, I, I think about this course, you're talking about getting midway through and I'm, I'm sitting on the sidelines and I'm tracking. So everybody keeps telling me they're tracking along as well. And they're like, well, she hasn't hit the hills yet. She'll, when she hits the hills, she'll be in trouble. And I'm like, I don't think you know how tough this girl is. And so I, felt, I spent most of the time just telling people, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> She's going to be all right. What was it like for you when you started realizing that like when you're 16, 17 and you're going to be going into some some more extreme climbing? Well, so like I was saying earlier, I was like really mentally prepared for it. Like I was like, it's going to be really hard. It's going to suck. But it's it's not forever. It's like four miles. And so I remember we saw mile 15 and I was like, it's coming, isn't it? And uh, they're like, yep, they're about to start. And then I think I was so like expecting the worst that the first hill was, I was like, okay, that was all right. And then I think there's two more. It's the one before heartbreak at mile 19 that really, I was like, this is, this is brutal. This is, this is hard. Um, And I just kept Mm -hmm. telling myself as I was like slowly going uphill, I was like, you will make it up on the downhills because I'm very much a downhill runner. Like I'm just... I'm naturally much more comfortable flying down the hills than going up. 
And so I think that's what got me through it is I, for everyone, when I was going up and feeling like trash, I was like, there will be a downhill. Mm -hmm. And that was some of the best advice somebody gave me before this race was, yes, you're going to climb a lot, but you will always come down. It's not one of those races where you climb and then have to flatten, catch your breath. Like if you go up, you're coming down. So you will always have that relief after it, which at some point towards the end of the race, it was like, what hurts more going up or coming down? I'm going faster going down, but like everything just kind of hurts by the end, you know, but it like wasn't necessarily relief. It was just like, okay, I can go faster if I'm going downhill. Yeah. So we actually, I was running with Nick. He was the guy who picked up after Chapin and then another guy joined us. Michael for a little while and he was training for a try so we had some good laughs out there about my triathlon training and (laughs) or lack thereof um and so like I just had really great distractions and like just great people around the whole time which obviously helps a ton and then I remember coming through on heartbreak I didn't know it was heartbreak at the time because at that point you're like up and down so many hills and you're just like when is this crap over and I, there's this banner at the top of Heartbreak that's like, congratulations, you conquered the Newton Hills and Heartbreak or whatever. And I was just like, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. Like that was, I just was, I was so relieved. Well, that, that brings up a good question for both of you. Like where were your dark spots on the race course and where were your spots where you're like, I, I know right now that I've got this because both of you hit your goal. Arguably. Yeah. No, I was hoping to go faster, but you know, I mean, to rewind though, the last time I ran Boston, I ran a 329. So to come back after kids and run what I run, 256, like there's nothing Amazing. to be disappointed in in that. Like that's freaking awesome, right? Yeah, it was a PR, but like I was in significantly better shape than than what I was able to actually pull off. And it was just one of those days, like to answer your question, Thomas, from mile one, things didn't feel quite right. Like my diaphragm started cramping within the first mile. And I never, that never happens to me. So I think I was like, okay, you know, you're thinking through all the things, right? Like, all right, Megan, this has got to be your breathing. You're not filling your lungs. Like, you know, and then when I was taking nutrition, it would get worse. And I'm like, so everything that I work through with clients and talk to people about, I'm like working through with myself for literally the entire race. Cause, and, but sometimes I think having those experiences makes it relatable to other people, right? Like noticing that when I took my gels, I kept, took them on track, even though I didn't feel great. Right. Like I was like, is my, this going to piss off my stomach? Is this going to cramp worse? You know, stuck to it, never made it worse. So, you know, that reaffirms, you know, reaffirms in your mind, like just keep, taking your gels right um but i mean hell if i will ever quit like i will crawl across the line before i will quit right so that's why i just kept telling i'm like you just have to keep going and kind of like the angel gods of uh running that swooped in and helped meg somebody swooped in at one point and it was one of my old co-workers husbands so like we ran together for quite a while and he's kind of chatting with me and then for the last like 10 or 11 miles like a couple people would be like hey feathers i carb loaded and i'm getting like fist bumps out there and because geniusly we put featherstone nutrition really big across the back of our crops so as people were running up they could like formulate like oh wait wait is that megan you know so i did i got all sorts of crowd support out there which i think that was like definitely one of the highlights um you know amongst not feeling awesome out there the whole time um but then, so like three people had were talking to me at like mile 
20 or 15 probably. And at that point, I'm like, I just don't really want to talk to anyone anymore. And I get one more guy that comes up and he's like, Feathers, just started following you. And I was like almost annoyed. I'm like, I'm done talking to people. I just want to run. Like I've been talking to people for two days. And then I look over and I'm like, wait, it was my best friend of life's best friend growing up. Like, Shout out to Joey if you're listening. And so Joey and I ran the rest. And I I talked to him after the race. And I was like, there was just something comforting about having him by my side. Like Katie's best mm-hmm. friend, you know. And it, like, and he said the same thing. He was like, it was just so comforting to finish the race together. And it, it's funny because he had like a bright hat on. So sometimes I'd lose him and it felt uncomfortable. And I'd like glance and I'd be like, oh, no, he's right there. He's right there. And even our finish line photos, like I took off sprinting to try to get a 256 instead of another 257. He took off sprinting right next to me. Like we are right, you know, neck and neck the whole time. So I think even when you're not feeling awesome out there, like the running community is just so insanely supportive. And you, it seems like we always find somebody to help us, to support us, that we're grateful for, that we appreciate. And, um, you know, I think that's probably always the highlight for me. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, I, I had a couple waves of like dark, you know, like you question, like, can you hold this pace for this much longer? Um, I think probably... Mm-hmm. Um, right around heartbreak. Um, I lost, so I lost Nick on the hill before heartbreak because he thought that was heartbreak hill and he took off up it, um, thinking that that was going to be the last one. And like, he turned around and was like, like almost going to wait for me. And I just waved him on. Like, I was like, you look like you're having a day, like just go. And so that's the last time I saw him. Um, and then I think I, I gained a little bit of confidence when I saw that you're through the through the hills. Um, but it was mile 22 where it was like kind of a sharp downhill. You had just gone over these train tracks and there was a ton of of people like along along the course, but they weren't cheering that loud. And so I right. for this is totally unlike me, but I just started going like lifting my hands up and trying to get them to cheer. And they went wild. Like it was the loudest I had heard people all day. And I was just like, like loving it. And then I was like, I'm going to regret this in like a minute. (laughs) I know it. This is, I'm using way too much energy right now. But I was just like loving it, like in that moment. Um, And then, yeah, about two miles later, I was like, I'm, I hate everything. Everything hurts. I started to get that like twinging in the legs, Mm -hmm. like the, you're almost gonna cramp feeling. Um, but I knew at that point I could make it. And I wasn't looking at my watch, so I didn't know. I told Thomas, I was like, I didn't know if I was running a 246 or a 306. Like it could have been anywhere in there at this point because I just, I wasn't gonna look at my watch because that pace is as fast as I could go. And it, it looking down wasn't gonna change anything. Mm-hmm. So just kept, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and then all of a sudden, you're making that right and left onto Boylston and Would yeah. you, you I got to see you at the finish. Yeah, through the screaming, I heard Thomas's voice and I looked over to the right and of course of I course. see his his um GoPro or whatever, you know, his video camera thing and he's like leaning up on a fence and so I just like pointed at him and then just like what I what I would call sprinted to the finish. It was probably not a sprint at all. I mean, you were moving. It looked cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how good, Megan, did that finish line look when you when you make that left hand turn? 
Oh, amazing. I missed my kids. So my kids came all the way to Boston. I missed seeing them because they were, when you make, when you're on, uh-huh. is it Hereford? And you make a left onto Boylston, they were right straight ahead. So like when you want to see that finish line yeah, for the first time, yeah. like that glimpse, they were straight ahead. So I totally missed them. And I felt so oh. they had posters. and Yeah, but that's their fault. They don't know a strategic place to be. I mean, <laughs> obviously, I, I was fortunate. New Balance gave me a, a spot where I didn't even have to fight to be right on the course. So I was like like a foot off off the um, – so when Megan heard me, it wasn't like I was – I was probably 12 feet away from her. I wasn't that far. But next time, yeah, tell the kids and family that on turns, you're going to be taking them tight and looking forward. You know, I, I'll coach. I'll get, I'll get with your kids, and, and I'll work with them for the next <laughs> one. All right, so we, we got through the finish here. You see your time. Megan, you're wishing it was a little bit faster, but you still got to be pumped. It's a PR. So my tracker apparently bombed. Like people didn't think I finished. There were, I had like all these people asking if I collapsed or something because like my tracker didn't update at the end. So like it looked like I was about to finish, but then I just never finished. And then when it did update, it told me that I ran a 257.16, which still was like a small PR. But I was like another, mm-hmm. I think I was talking to Meg on the phone. I was like another 257. I'm a 257.3 three trick <laughs> pony. Like again, slightly irrational post-marathon and then all of a sudden I hear my husband go no Megan it updated it's a 256.56 so like those what 18 seconds all of a sudden I was happy isn't that funny how like you just it's like 18 seconds but it's totally different and amazing right because I can drop that 56 and it's Uh just a 256 exactly (laughs) I love it um I will say this is the first time that I carried a bottle of scratch which I drank in the first 11 miles, I think. And I got down five Martins, two of which were caffeinated. And I didn't really want to take the last couple, but I did, because to your point, Megan, like, you know, it's going to help. And I, I 1000% attribute me being able to hold the pace for as long as I did to nutrition. I love it. And I think too, like another good takeaway is, especially for a lot of us that train through the winter, yeah, it was 52 out, but it was Mm -hmm. full sun. And most of us aren't used to that. So that was one thing that I noticed. Like I had a handheld too, and it was a 20 ouncer and I had drained it by 10 miles in, which I was shocked. Like I shocked myself by that. So I actually held on to it for a while and poured some water into it because I suck at drinking out of cups. Um, But I do think like the weather plus that the full sun, I think, had a huge impact on people's hydration needs. Um, and, you know, if we get too dehydrated too early, like our performance is going to tank. So I think it was something that probably saved both of us pretty early was to have that bottle of liquid that we got down before the half. It was also really nice as as much as hesitant as I was to carry it because I had such a poor experience at wine glass where like it got all tangled up and it felt really heavy and it was just like Mentally, I was like, that just felt Mm -hmm. terrible. I was so happy to have it that I didn't have to run over and get the cups for the first, because especially in the beginning, like all of those water stops are packed with people and you're like tripping over people to grab one. Yeah. And just being able to stay in the middle and just drink out of my bottle for the first 10 miles was money. And I think I just want to reiterate that Meg carried a handheld bottle for the first half of her race and ran a 248. Like no one is beyond carrying a handheld bottle. <laughs> Let's be honest. It only helps. All right. So for, for people that haven't run Boston or aspire to have these fast races or want to experience Boston, what would be some of your takeaway tips for running Boston? 
I think it would be specifically for like the morning logistics, like just give yourself a little extra time. Know that you are going to be taking buses, walking, doing all the things um, and take nutrition often and early. It's a nice segue. Yeah, I think that's the biggest, those are the two things that um, I think are the biggest takeaways from a nutrition standpoint is because it's a later start, you have to eat two breakfasts, you know, so just making sure that there's something four hours out from the race and something two hours out from the race. And then, um, like Meg said about fueling early and often, I actually fueled even earlier than I normally do because I wanted to try to get gels in at certain times before the certain hills. So um, I was even earlier and more often than usual. And I really think that pays off. So just having some strategy behind when you're taking your gels based on what the course profile looks like can really be like kind of an advanced step game changer here, which if you're at Boston, you're advanced. So I think it's worth. There's one thing I noticed from an outsider uh, this weekend was there's so much stuff going on. So many things that are enticing, like especially for runners, you get to interact with athletes and brands and you see here like Des Linden will be walking down the street or Mm -hmm. people. So there's a a desire to not miss out on stuff. And I think that one of the things that I noticed from watching people and seeing how people did on the day was conserve your energy and be, you know, protective of yourself, even though you may really want to go check out something or see something the rest that you're going to get before the race is worth more than, you know, some of the other things that are distractions that are, aren't part of your performance. So for me seeing that, I, I would know that like, I'd probably shut it down um, early and, you know, get that rest, even if I'm not sleeping, just, just off the feet and, and kind of having quiet time. Yeah. And, uh, we made up for it on Monday night. Had a great time. Celebrated with many beverages. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to Victor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was so fun. And a burger. It was so delicious. <laughs> the burger was amazing. Yeah. And just so for our fans, since a lot of people, you know, like our, what shoes, I know what both shoes you're wearing, but why don't you tell people what shoes you're wearing? Uh, the Alpha Fly. And y'all got me hooked on the Alpha Fly. My first ever marathon in a super show. And then post-meal, Megan, what did you have? Uh, well, first I had several martinis and then a burger, which I don't know if that's the recommended <laughs> order of things. Uh, but Feathers was throwing down Manhattan. <laughs> but it really wasn't our fault. We couldn't get to the restaurant like because we couldn't get across Boylston Street. We tried to eat first, but yeah, you know, you got to celebrate after a big race. All right, so that pretty much wraps up your experience. We're back at work feeling overwhelmed, of course, because there's a ton of stuff going on. But uh, we will be back to our regular Fuel for the Soul episodes. Yeah, I still have to edit that next one up, but it's coming out Tuesday, and we talk about Uh, uh, (laughs) nutrient periodization. Yeah, like how we change nutrition (laughs) throughout training cycles. (laughs) It'll be a good one. Yeah. And oils and seed oils. Yeah. Know. So yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we'll be like, yeah. tuning guys. Just take our <laughs> take our word for it. It's really great. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great, guys. We can't even remember what we talked about. Uh, all right. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, and peas and carrots. We'll chat soon. Bye. Um.